Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Two weeks from today is Christmas Day. Holy mackerel. What do you say, folks? Are you ready? And are you ready for today's show? I hope so. It is The Bill Press Show on a Monday. Monday, December 11. How about it? So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being part of the program as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, with all the news of the day and uh, many of you um, experiencing a lot of snow over the weekend in places that don't normally get snow. Yeah, we had a little bit here in Washington, D.C., but how about down in Georgia and Mississippi in places I never heard of snow before, uh, uh, also through the uh, through the Midwest and uh, uh, another a burst explosion of wildfires out in uh, Southern California, particularly that Thomas fire moving up from Ventura County into Santa Barbara County. And then here in Washington, D.C., Republicans finally coming up with a plan to keep the government going, but <clears throat> only for two weeks, only until December 22nd. Then they'll have to go to the mat uh, all over again. Donald Trump pulling out all the stops for Roy Moore in Alabama. No doubt about it. Roy Moore is Donald Trump's candidate. Or as Charles Blow says today in the Washington Post, they ought to rename the party the Roy Publican Party. Lots to talk about. Send us your comments on Twitter. Uh, We want to hear from you at BP Show. At BP Show, what do you think about all the news of the day? And we jump Right in with both feet, but first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. You just mentioned the Thomas Fire. It's one of five blazes currently going on in California. Well, over the weekend, it burned more than 230,000 acres. It grew by more than 50,000 acres just on Sunday alone. It meant new evacuations for tens of thousands of people in the Mission Canyon area. This means that the Thomas Fire is the fifth largest wildfire on record in the state of California, which has seen its share of wildfires. Jerry Brown says these wildfires like this are the new normal. Uh, And sadly, with climate change, I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. Spare the rod, (laughs) spoil the child. That is the biblical verse that defends... Whipping on your child when they have done bad. Spankings, of course, is a big debate. 
well, there's a new study put out in the Journal of Pediatrics. They asked 758 kids between the ages of 19 and 20 how often they had been spanked, slapped, or struck with an object as a form of punishment when they were younger. And it turns out that spanking can lead to relationship violence because they're used to having, you know, violence being a part of what is considered to be love, right? Like your parents are like, I'm doing this because I love you or... This is to teach you a lesson. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of adapt that and they bring it into their future relationships. Well, time to come clean. Who was spanked as a kid? I was spanked as a kid, but I do not spank my children. I was not spanked as a kid. I was spanked as a kid, um, yeah. but I do not spank my wife. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> Except sometimes. <laughs> Thank you. Mark Thank tape you. twice. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, moving on. You asked for it. Cockroaches. I did, I did. Cockroaches, Nickelback, used car salesmen, traffic jams, hemorrhoids, hipsters. Good segue. The DMV, root canals, jury duty, and lice. You just saying random words so we can move on from the last story or what? Those are, These are all things that we like. Is that those it? are all things that are more popular than Donald Trump. That is according to a new poll released by the Pew Research Center. Donald Trump's approval rating has fallen. To 32%. That is the lowest that he has polled during the entire election. You can't tell me that more uh, more, high, more than 32% of Americans like lice. I'm just telling you. Or Nickelback. Or Nickelback. Nickelback's still selling. <laughs> On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump's accusers deserve to be heard. <laughs> so says you, pardon me, UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. She may be out of a job today, but she said the right thing. She's told the truth. What do you say? Hello, everybody, on a Monday. Monday, December 11th. So good to see you today. Wow, lots to talk about. It is a very busy news cycle, and we are right in the middle of it. Uh, And so are you, uh, by being part of the Bill Press Show, which we appreciate very, very much. Thanks so much for joining us on this uh, beautiful Monday, a little chilly Monday, to tell the truth, as we join you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and end up right alongside of you anywhere you are in this great land of ours. Online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Joining you on Free Speech TV, how about it? And also on the radio out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT and in Indianapolis, Indiana on the Indiana uh, Indiana Talks, sorry, in the whole Indianapolis area. And, man, I got to tell you, it is, how about it? Do you realize, Peter, it's only two weeks today. It's crazy. From today is Christmas Day. There it is, careening into the uh, big holiday and the big holiday season. You ready? Uh, Of course. No. 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 (laughs) Always put things off till the last minute. Yeah, right. You know that. Uh, But looking forward to it. And uh, with all the uh, news of the day, yes, I got to mention and and just a, a shout out and a prayer to all those people who are suffering 
from the fires, particularly out in California, that Thomas fire is moving up from Ventura County now into Santa Barbara County. Even the beautiful little village of uh, Carp- Carpinteria hit yesterday, and that's just below Montecito, which is uh, probably the wealth, certainly the wealthiest enclave part of Santa Barbara. Uh, a lot of friends live there, beautiful homes, and then into Santa Barbara. It is just out of control. Governor Jerry Brown saying, um, so, sadly, uh, after the Santa Rosa fire, uh, earlier in the year that these fires like this are just the new normal with climate change. And it was a fi- if, the, if the West is burning, uh, <laughs> the East is chilling under snow. The snow I saw in Georgia. I mean, down there, Pierre, do you ever see snow? Georgia, Mississippi? I, I, I don't I, know, maybe Alabama. But Alabama gets a lot of snow, actually. Snow. R- r- remarkably. But I don't I, think of it. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's snowing in Georgia and Mississippi, San Antonio, Texas got snow yeah. uh, last yeah. week. That never happens, no. especially in Texas. And never. we had a good... Good insure more on uh, Saturday, I think it was. Yeah, all during the day here in Washington D.C. Snow belt from Indiana all the way up to uh, into New York, uh, and um, uh, not that much, but enough to mess up some traffic and uh, cause a lot of cause a lot of accidents. So um, be careful out there wherever you are. Well, for Donald Trump, uh, it was a um, <clears throat> So an embarrassing moment uh, on Saturday. I got to tell you, you know, if you are, if you heard a rumble coming out of Atlanta Saturday, uh, you know what it was. That that rumble was Martin Luther King Jr. turning over in his grave yeah. at the opening of the Civil Rights Museum down in Mississippi. First of all, sorry Mississippians, but when you put Mississippi and civil rights in the same sentence. Yeah, um, you know, you know something's wrong, right? And and so here is and they but people have worked and civil rights leaders have worked for years and years to establish this museum uh, in Mississippi for the purpose of educating Mississippi people of Mississippi about the history of slavery and of racism, um, but also to give credit to people like Medgar Evers and other. Great people in Mississippi who were leaders in the civil rights movement, and Medgar Evers, of course, giving his life. And then the governor of Mississippi ruined the whole thing by inviting Donald Trump as the honored guest to the opening of the museum. And of course, Donald Trump jumped at the chance. Uh, so just just imagine the speakers and many civil rights leaders just stayed away once Donald Trump was invited. The great John Lewis the greatest living uh, oh. uh, veteran of the civil rights movement, the, said, I'm not going to show the, up the, to honor Donald Trump. The I fact mean, that they had John Lewis and Donald Trump speaking <clears throat> about civil rights at a uh, at a uh, place yeah. that honors the civil rights movement is a travesty. A total travesty. I mean, the, what an yeah. oversight by whoever did the booking well, there. It was, a, it was a, the governor invited. Uh, they a had, mess. They had planned the program, then the governor invited invited a, a, a Donald Trump, and John Lewis said, fine, I'm not going. So the speakers, get this, the speakers at the opening of the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum were eight white men, eight white Republican men, probably some of them former members of the KKK. And then in comes Donald Trump. Donald Trump, remember, who was fined by the Justice Department for refusing to rent apartments to African Americans. Fact. Done. Right. Donald Trump, who 
appointed Jeff Sessions, Attorney General, Donald Trump, who is supporting racist Roy Moore in Alabama, who says, the good old days were back in the days when we had slavery and everybody respected each other and everybody got along. That's Roy Moore's version of it. Donald Trump, who called African-American NFL players sons of bitches, right? Um, What else? Donald Trump, who said, there are a lot of really good people among the KKK protesters uh, down in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. I mean, that was this year, right? Donald Trump, the opening of the Civil Rights Museum. And when he goes there, what does he talk about? How many votes he got in Mississippi? This is an incredible tribute, not only to the state of Mississippi, a state that I love, a state where I've had great success, this is a tribute to our nation at the highest level. He has to turn it all around again and talk about my me. Nobody else matters. Me and how many votes I got in Mississippi. That's what this was all about for him. Not the civil rights movement, not the heroic sacrifices so many made, not this blot on our nation's history. No. How many votes I got. Diversity. Uh, and diversity. Excuse me. <laughs> there he is, huh? There. Huh? Yeah. There he is. Right. Diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, um, Donald Trump may have got a little surprised yesterday when uh, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, showed up on um, national television. Uh, she was on Face the Nation. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, with. Um, John Dickerson. Dickerson. John Dickerson. One and only. Uh, and he asked her about, what about, you know, this is a time when Al Franken resigns, John Conyers resigns, other people, Harvey Weinstein, all these people, men accused of sexual harassment. What about the women who are still, 13 of them, accused Donald Trump of sexual assault? Uh, and Nikki Haley surprised uh, everybody, I think, with this answer. We heard from them prior to the election, and I think any woman who has felt violated or felt mistreated in any way, they have every right to speak up. Every right to be heard, she says, every right to be spe- to, to speak up. That's not what the White House is saying, friends and neighbors. Oh, no, no, no. Remember, uh, and I talked about this yesterday on MSNBC, uh, did those, or have those women been given the right to be heard? No. Uh, Have they had the opportunity to speak up? No. In fact, Donald Trump called them, still calls them liars and fabricators. Candidate Donald Trump threatened to sue them all. And one of those cases is still open in the New York Supreme Court, as we've mentioned here before. The hearing was held last week, and the White House's official position at that hearing was, this woman, woman who's got this lawsuit, she does not have the right to be heard because, says the White House, Donald Trump is president of the United States and therefore he is above the law. That's the official White House position. And now Nikki Haley is saying, no, let yeah. them speak. They deserve to be heard. Give them a hearing. Man. Give them an opportunity. Let them come to trial. Uh, I, I, Boy, I bet you she got a call from somebody last night saying, what the hell were you doing? But she is absolutely right. The president is not above the law. These women do deserve to be heard. They are credible. They are as credible as the women who have accused Roy Moore 
of, uh, of his misbehavior. Uh, and uh, sooner or later, and by the way, I, I think this is, this is going to end up biting Donald Trump in the ass yeah. because the Supreme Court is already, if this goes to the Supreme Court, and you know, if the New York Supreme Court says the case can proceed, if the New York Court says the case can, no, it is the New York Supreme Court, sorry, says the case can proceed, it'll be challenged by the White House. It'll go to the Supremes. And the Supremes have already ruled in the case of Bill Clinton versus Paula Jones that the president is not above the law with an accusation like this. It's serious enough that the president can be deposed at the White House. And as we told you uh, last week, I forget this woman's name, uh, Gloria Allred is the attorney. Uh, it was Gloria Allred or one of her partners who told the judge, uh, don't worry, we, we'll work our way uh, around Donald Trump's schedule. We'll just go to Mar-a-Lago and we'll depose him in between golf games. <laughs> so there's plenty of time. But the point is, Nikki Haley is right. Yeah. These women have not had a chance to be heard and they should have a chance. I and I hope the judge listens to her. And rules accordingly. I, I don't want to give Nikki Haley too much credit, right? No, because but, she's a dingbat on other stuff, right? I mean, and she she did for, counterbalance yesterday by you know carrying water for Trump's Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. Decision, no, she, she, she's so. that's what I mean. She's carried plenty of water for oh, Donald yeah. Trump, but but Nikki Haley is not an idiot. I mean, she's she's a smart woman, and I think she sees that if the Republicans actually nominate Roy Moore, or actually elect Roy Moore, I mean. Yeah, uh, which it's looking more and more like that's going to happen. Uh, they got a real problem that's not going to just go away. I mean, I think that a lot of Republicans see this thing like just get through the election, we'll get him in. We've got, then we've got an automatic vote. Roy Moore does not play nice with the Republicans. He's not going to show up uh-huh. and blend in and just be that like one more vote that they need. He's going to show up and he's going to continue to speak his mind and say horrible things. By the way. From a 2011 interview, this just surfaced yesterday, uh, CNN's K-File reported that Roy Moore spoke uh, on a radio show called the uh, Aroostook Watchmen. I've never heard of this radio <laughs> show. I think it's a local show. But they are known for pushing widely rejected conspiracy theories over the years. They talk about mass shootings. They talk about Newtown being a false flag. They talk about 9-11 being an inside job. They continue to talk about President Obama being born not in America. So in 2011, Roy Moore went on and was asked about eliminating every amendment besides the first 10 amendments. And Roy Moore said, quote, that would eliminate many problems. You don't understand how some of these amendments have completely tried to wreck our form of government that our forefathers intended. So any... Amendment to the Constitution yeah. after the Tenth Amendment, wrong in mm-hmm. the eyes of Roy Moore. Yeah, uh, including the amendment that ended slavery. Including the amendment that ended slavery, that gave women the right that to gave vote. Gave women the right to vote. Yeah, you can go on and on and on. That's right? who he is. That's who he is. Yes, indeed, that is a Roy Moore. So, at any rate, uh, with uh, following up on Haley Barber's uh, Haley Barber, what am I? Nikki Haley's. <laughs> I saw Haley Barber the other night. This is my mind. Nikki Haley's comments that these women have a right to be heard. Uh, three Democratic senators stepped up uh, saying, look, Al Franken resigned without anything being proven, proven really. He resigned based on those accusations. Uh, why that Donald Trump should do the same? Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, uh, Senator Jeff Merkley 
uh, from Oregon, and Senator Bernie Sanders yesterday uh, on one of the Sunday shows um, making the connection as well. Al Franken felt it proper for him to resign. Here you have a president who has been accused by many women of assault, who says on a tape that he assaulted women. He might want to think about doing the same. Might want to think about doing the same, says Bernie. Indeed, indeed, indeed. But uh, but Donald Trump, uh, uh, just one final connection there. Uh, Beverly Young Nelson, uh, she's the woman who produced uh, one of the women who says that Roy Moore preyed on her when she was uh, a teenager. She's not the one who was 14, but she's the one who produced the yearbook. Uh, Donald Trump making a big deal about the fact that now Beverly Young Nelson admits that she did some of the writing on the yearbook. You know, this is such a bogus issue because the note on the on the yearbook written by Donald Trump uh, by by uh, Roy Moore is something to the effect was uh, congratulations on your on your uh, graduating. I couldn't say hello to a more beautiful young lady or something like that. Love Roy. Right. Underneath, it's added D.A., meaning district attorney, the date he said it, or the date, yeah, he, he, he wrote it, and the place, some country club. Yeah. So she admitted that that was her writing. She added that just so she would remember where he had written yeah. that. That doesn't make it phony. <laughs> right. That doesn't say she's a liar. That doesn't say that Roy Moore didn't do it with all these women. And by the way, I saw him. So here he is yesterday. He gave this TV interview yesterday. Listen to this flat out denial, right? Roy Moore. These allegations are completely false. I did not date underage women. I did not uh, molest anyone. Now, remember. When you, have to go on, when you have to go on TV and say, I did not molest anyone, you're and, losing. And I did uh, not date underage women. Remember, he told Sean Hannity, I didn't date underage women without asking yeah. their parents' permission first. Yeah. So he's got a story all over the place. And remember that preacher, Flip Benham? Right, yeah. who said, "Yeah, he dated young women, but we all did because of the, because of the purity, right? That's what that's what attracts He's lying to the yeah, he, Roy Moore's right. lying, totally, totally lying. Yeah, but in the meantime, Donald Trump, he doesn't care. It, what what went from a sort of uh, almost um, a tangential endorsement of Roy Moore, now he is all out for Roy Moore." He has turned the Republican Party into the Roy, Roy, Republican, Roy Publican Party. There it is. I got it. Uh, Even doing a robocall. First of all, he had this big rally down in Pensacola Friday night, uh, 20, 25 miles over the line from Alabama, where he tells people, you got to get out and vote for Roy Moore. Get out and vote for Roy Moore. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, and then he make, actually makes a robocall. Uh, here he is telling people, this is people of Alabama, Republicans, answering the phone. Here's what they get. If Alabama elects liberal Democrat Doug Jones, all of our progress will be stopped cold. Bernie Sanders? I mean, Bernie. Uh, <laughs> what am I doing today? Donald Trump continuing. 
Hi, this is President Donald Trump, and I need Alabama to go vote for Roy Moore. It is so important. You living in an alternate universe where Bernie Sanders became president? I think president I am. Bill? Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish. Man. Uh, not everybody uh, on board, of course. Uh, I got to say, this is the one time that Richard Shelby from Alabama is showing a showing a little backbone, uh, standing up to the president of the United States and to Roy Moore. Shelby said, I wrote in, he won't say who, but he didn't vote for Roy Moore. I'd rather see uh, the Republican win, but I hope that Republican would be a write-in. I uh, couldn't vote for Roy Moore. I didn't vote for Roy Moore. Yep, he said Alabama deserves better. Alabama deserves better, and the American people deserve better than Roy Moore. Man. Susan Collins, Republican senator, saying the same thing, that the uh, she was disappointed in the RNC changing from pulling its money out to get back into helping Roy Moore. And you know why they're doing it, because Donald Trump, who's the head of the party, told them they had to do it. I'm disappointed that the RNC has resumed its support of Roy Moore. I think that's a mistake. You know, it's a, it, it really is embarrassing when Rona McDaniel, Rona <clears throat> Romney McDaniel, I don't know whether you read I'm glad that. you brought that up. But Roy Mo- uh, Donald Trump has uh, asked her to s- to drop the name Romney. Yeah, yeah. it's Don't- gone from her Twitter profile. Go there. Yeah. it's not there anymore. Yeah, right. And she has used it her entire professional career. Yeah, Donald Trump personally asked her to stop using Romney because he <laughs> the things that he focuses on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even gotten into the fake news stuff from over the weekend. Yeah. and him constantly tweeting about right. CNN, ABC, yeah. and the yeah. Washington Post. But to ask. Rana Romney McDaniel to drop that middle name all because he has a thing right. against Mitt. That's yeah. it? That's amazing. And when they pulled out of the Alabama <laughs> race uh, maybe a month ago, she said this man, Roy Moore, is unfit for public office. When Donald Trump forced the RNC, because he is the head of the party, to go back in and put more money in the race, uh, she just said, well, um, she didn't say I changed my mind. She said, uh, Donald Trump is the head of the Republican Party, and we do what the head of the Republican Party tells us to do. How's that for uh, for uh, embarrassing, right? Dude. Yeah, meaning basically saying, I'm worthless. I don't have any power. I don't believe in anything. I'll do anything Donald Trump tells me. I, I mean, look, I don't want to get into a habit of telling Republicans <laughs> what they should do or give them any advice on anything, but... If Roy Moore wins, and if the Republicans and the RNC had just stayed out of it, then, like, I mean, look, there's still the Republican Party that that allows someone like Roy Moore and Donald Trump into their party, but they would have been able to say, look, we let the people of Alabama decide. We didn't get involved in that race, and this is what happened, and that's and Alabama spoken. And whatever. Yeah, but the right. fact that they've tied themselves to it, if he wins— they are just as responsible. Like, we we can lampoon the voters of Alabama, and frankly, they deserve to be lampooned, not only for Roy Moore, but for, you know, Jeff Sessions and all these other guys that they've, that they've elected. But as lampoonable as they are, that you cannot put it all on the people of Alabama. The, the no. Republican Party, the National Republican Party, has put their money and their backing behind Roy Moore, and that is 
really bad. That's a bad look. Look, so you hear it from us, and you know, look, we're Democrats, we're progressives, and uh, so I guess you say, like, we're one side. No, 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 no. There, there, there are, we just mentioned Richard Shelby, Susan Collins, and there are other Republicans, Jeff Blake, John McCain, uh, who have also said, no, we don't want anything to do with Roy Moore. Uh, David Brooks, conservative columnist for the uh, Wash- for the New York Times, uh, on, this was Friday, a blistering, blistering column called The GOP is Rotting. Wow. Wow. And just, just, just one sentence from this. This is David Brooks. The Republican Party is doing harm. And by the way, he's a big Republican. The Republican Party is doing harm to every cause it purports to serve. If Republicans accept Roy Moore as a United States senator, they may, for a couple of years, have one more vote for a justice or a tax cut. But they will have made their party loathsome for an entire generation. Wow. Basically saying the Republican Party, by supporting Roy Moore, has lost its soul. We've said this for a while. Like The Democrats are not in a great spot right now. They're out of power everywhere. Uh they're getting it back. Yeah, yeah. And but they're out of power. And people are talking about how this is such a bad time for the Democratic Party. And it's not a great time for the Democratic Party. But the Republicans are just putting off the inevitable here. They, there's a reckoning coming for the Republican Party. Uh, yes. And uh, we will be. By the way, so we're going to be talking one of the real, probably the number one factor in Alabama is going to be African-American turnout. Because that's like 25, 27% of the population. Yeah. Uh, now, Doug Jones needs a lot more than that. But without that turnout, there's no way Doug Jones can win. Uh, I thought it was very, very key yesterday that uh, Senator Cory Booker uh, was there in Alabama campaigning with Doug Jones and former Massachusetts Governor DeVal Patrick, a uh, great guy, was there also campaigning with Doug Jones. Uh, for the purpose of, of you know, uh, and encouraging and stimulating the African Americans and the importance of this race and why they've got to they've got to get out to vote, uh, and we're going to be talking more about that with Van Newkirk from the Atlantic uh, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, later on, Nina Turner, the president of Our Revolution, is going to join us because uh, other big news of the weekend: the Reform Commission. Um, appointed after the Democratic Convention to take a look at things like superdelegates is out with its recommendation, and they slash the number of superdelegates, recommend slashing the number of superdelegates by some 60%. Uh, Nina Turner, a member of that commission, uh, will be joining us here in studio. And we wind up with uh, Matt Fuller from HuffPost, covers Congress for HuffPost. You know Matt, he's a frequent guest here. Um, who will tell us about the latest attempts by Congress to deal with sexual harassment charges against members of Congress and also uh, to keep the government running. Maybe they'll be able to do so the next time for a little more than two weeks, you would think, but that's all they could do uh, over the weekend. Anyhow, we're just getting started here on the Bill Press Show with you on this Monday, December 11. Don't forget, you're part of the program by tweeting us. Send us your comments on Twitter. At BP Show. We'll be right back. Diversity and diversity. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. 
Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Here we are on this Monday, Monday, December 11. Uh, so good to see you today. And thank you so much for joining us as we boom out to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we are brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Yes, those good men and women, hardworking men and women of the UFCW under uh, President Mark Pocan, the United Food Workers, a, no, Perone, Mark Perone, sorry, a proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for America's hardworking families. We salute them. Thank them for the support of the program and uh, encourage you to check out the website at ufcw.org. Or joining us in studio, Van Newkirk, a good friend from the uh, Atlantic. Hello, Van. You, you are, uh, it, you know, you can take your overcoat off if you wanted to. But <laughs> I just like the coat. Yeah, like the coat. <laughs> it's <laughs> cold the out there, man. Yeah. Uh, good to see you. Uh, I don't know whether you had a chance to see. There's a profile on the front page of the New York Times yesterday by uh, Maggie Haberman, Glenn Thrush, and Peter Baker about um, the style of the presidency under uh, Donald Trump. Uh, One thing they point out is, um, before taking office, Mr. Trump told top aides to think of each presidential day as an episode in a television show in which he vanquishes his rivals. Oh, God. (laughs) And the people close to him estimate, here's what got me, that Trump spends at least four hours a day and sometimes as much as twice that in front of a television. Now, what does that say about anybody? Eight hours in front of the TV. Eight hours. Eight hours in Wait. front of cable news, too. No, like, yeah. it's all cable. Yeah, not like, just like watching a movie marathon. He's not binge watching. Right. He's watching the news. Oh, right. God. For eight hours. That yeah. makes my head yeah, hurt. Right. Ugh. That's right. He's not watching, you know, House of Cards or catching you can, up on anything. You can get no. new things after eight hours on the news. Like, like, how much news can you watch until it becomes the same news? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, twenty well, minutes. Twenty minutes. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say. Right. Oh boy! And then he uses Twitter as his, as his Excalibur, is what they say. As, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So he starts off. They say in the morning he usually watches CNN to get the news, which I think is very funny. <laughs> to get the news, to get to find out really what's really going. He watches CNN. Then he switches, of course, to Fox and Friends just yeah. to get the self glorification. Uh, and then he goes over to, to Morning Joe to get pissed off. And then he walks in the office in a in a sour mood because of something that. Joe Ramika has said so. That's his morning. That's his morning. Can you routine. imagine? But four hours on a, on in a given day, four hours, four hours regularly. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and then of course uh, he takes to uh, Twitter uh, while he's watching, you know, based on what he sees. But we have our own Twitter followers too, of course, and they are uh, active. Maybe not as active as Donald Trump, but. So far this morning, they have been. Jamie? That's right. We're on Twitter at BP Show. I want to begin, actually, with a a clip that went viral yesterday, the Human Rights Campaign, sharing a video of you interviewing Roy Moore back in 2005, was it? 2005? Yes. On on C-SPAN. On C-SPAN. They wrote, in two days, voters will head to the polls on December 12th to elect their next senator in Alabama. Here's a reminder about Roy Moore's dangerous, hateful anti-LGBTQ policies and rhetoric, and there's the video embedded right there, Bill, with you interviewing Roy Moore. Natalie weighs in saying, Bill Press could not have predicted this clip would go viral in 2017. 
I think she's right about that. We didn't uh, think Roy Moore would be back after being disbarred twice, right? I didn't. And I, the clip keeps coming up and up and up. I've seen, I've seen it yeah, in so many places. Everywhere. Right. Jack Pfeiffer on Twitter also weighing in saying, vote Doug Jones. He's a real American. It's important to uh, remember that we should be saying Doug Jones's name as Alabamans head to the poll polls on Tuesday. A lot of people are just sort of referring to him as Roy Moore's opponent. This is this guy's an actual politician or the Democrat or, yeah. or the Democrat. Uh, but his he, name is Doug Jones. Yeah. He's an attorney with a damn good record, too. Yeah, he has a pretty important history in Alabama, in so, Alabama, yeah. Birmingham. And mm-hmm. um, we'll talk more about that after one more, more comment one uh, more. Uh, in the YouTube chat room, YouTube dot com backslash the Bill Press show. Join that party now. Mr. Stoner to you, dude. He's always in the chat room every morning teasing our 8 a.m. guest <laughs> Bernina 2020. Referring to Bernie Sanders and Nina Turner. Oh, wow. He's found himself a new ticket. Also adding, every election I think the Republicans have become loathsome and the hate just continues to win. So uh, optimism, pe- pessimism there. YouTube.com backslash The Bill Press Show. And again, on Twitter at BP Show. Get your comments. We might read them on air. All right. Nina Turner uh, will be joining us in about 20 minutes. And so we'll ask her. We'll ask her about that. Um What's your read on Alabama? You've been writing a lot about it. African-American turnout is key. Uh, Cory Booker was down there yesterday. Deval Patrick campaigning with Doug Jones. What do you hear? Uh, I think it's it's a bit of wishful thinking to think that black politicians short of John Lewis and Terry Sewell are going to get people out to vote, uh, especially in Alabama. Um, You can take the stereotype of the state's mistrust of outsiders and actually apply that to black folks and outside black politicians. But I do think the the thing that's been overlooked and is what I wrote, wrote about was <laughs> Alabama has, for as long as black people have been allowed to vote in Alabama, has been one of the hardest places for black people to vote in the country. And we overlooked that. We, you know, we, The post-Shelby County analysis Alabama has on lots of things like closing DMVs in black uh, counties. Um, implementing a voter ID law that have uniquely disadvantaged black people. But even before that, Alabama was damn hard to vote in. And when you talk about any candidate, especially in a special election where you expect the turnout to be really low, black turnout is going to be a problem. And it's going to be a deeper problem than showing up at churches, than campaigning with black politicians, than going to black neighborhoods and saying, you know, and doing your regular get out to vote. So are you saying the system is rigged against Black voters? Certainly so, yes. In terms of number of polling places or location of polling places, uh, well, voter ID, what, what, specifically how? Mostly on the registration side, so voter ID, uh, just a fact. Of, Do you have to show voter ID in Alabama? It's a non-strict policy you, that you have to show it or you can get two people at the polls to, say, to, to sign an affidavit saying you're you. Um, but it's one of those things where it's meant to discourage people from even going in mm-hmm. the first place. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it's it, that's how a lot of the laws there work is, you know, up until 2016, they had no online registration. There's no pre-registration if you're 16 or 17. There's no same day registration. There's no no fault absentee voting. All these things that were implemented in many states after yeah, the Voting right. Rights Act to get black people mm-hmm. to vote, to help people in disadvantaged communities vote. They do not exist in Alabama. So the deck is stacked against to, to begin with. Indeed. Okay. Yeah. And then you've got the matter of motivation. And I've got to ask, if here's an, an avowed racist, Roy Moore, who says the good old days were the days when way back, you know, 
way down upon the Suwannee River, right, when everybody was happy and singing in the fields, and uh, and we oh, got to bring boy. those days back. If 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 stopping him from going to the U.S. Senate is not enough motivation to get out and vote, what is? Well, the thing is, I've talked to some black folks in Alabama, and, and they, they were, they, they all knew. This is not new for Alabamians. Like, this is, just, Roy Moore has been Roy Moore in Alabama for, for a long for time. Yes. decades. Yes. And yes. black folks have known. And so I think the idea that, like, bringing up new things, not, not new things to them, bringing up these things he said in maybe September or old interviews where he said the... All of the amendments after the Tenth Amendment should be repealed. Like black folks knew about that, and that's already a factor into their ability to get to the polls, their motivation. And so I think they're looking for Jones. I think lots of folks are looking for like a promise that Alabama is going to be different in a tangible way in the future. And that's a hard one to make, even for a Democratic candidate. That Alabama is not going to be a single party. dominated state for a while because even if Jones wins a special election in the Senate from top to bottom all the laws in the state are still going to be made by Republicans and so that's where I think the disconnect lies is in getting those voters to to, to actually believe credibly that things will change meaningfully for their lives in Alabama and that's a hard sell still. Is there anything that that Doug Jones or the Democratic Party could have done to stimulate a of course, we're talking about something that hasn't happened yet. Right. But if what you say proves to be true and the African-American turnout is low, is there anything that, that they missed well, I don't that think, they should have done they didn't do? I think African-American turnout will probably mirror overall turnout. It'll all be low. It'll all probably have around 26, 28. Yeah. Um, but I think— Oh, you would think any Senate election, if any Senate election would get a good turnout, would be this one. Yeah, state uh, secretary of state's office is expecting one million or three point seven million voters to come out, which would be one of the all-time low special elections. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think it goes to show that when you this type of race where you have somebody who is just accused of doing the worst things, and you have a brazen apparatus that is just never going to not support him. I think what it does, and it actually showed with Trump, too, is these type of things just destroy overall faith in the system altogether. Well, People now, don't want to come I was, was yeah. going to say, this is, I think, I think the whole issue in Alabama really does mirror the Trump election. Yeah. I mean, it's it, from top to bottom. It, not only the, the previously unheard of allegations by the leading candidate, right, uh, that he survives, that I mean, look, whether or not Roy Moore is elected, we'll we'll see, all right, in a couple of days. But he's still it's still competitive in all the polls, if not he's winning in all the polls. So he survived this huge scandal. He has a uh, Democratic challenger that people are really enthused about. And people, you either just, like, aren't going to show up or you're going to stick with your guy. Yeah. And uh, that's enough to get these guys elected, to get it, evil people right. elected. That there's cuts a, out the people who aren't really super motivated right. in the middle. Yeah, um, There's another factor here, which is uh, a test here, uh, the effect and the coattails, if you will, of Donald Trump. You know, So he's gone from maybe just being, as I said earlier, tangentially supporting to right now it's all out, baby, all out, right? Including, uh, Jamie, the robocall uh, over the weekend. Um, here's what I, I'm Donald Trump, and here's what I want you to do. 
if Alabama elects liberal Democrat Doug Jones, all of our progress will be stopped cold. Uh, right. And? Hi, this is President Donald Trump, and I need Alabama to go vote for Roy Moore. It is so important. What impact do you think that'll have? Yeah, so if you look at the last actual, the last ads printed out, the billboard ads for Moore in the, in the state, they're just a picture of Donald Trump to vote Roy Moore. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah, fun stuff. So they're making it stand with your president. Yeah, and this is not a tepid endorsement. It's not no, a, no, I'm going to oh, endorse no. and, and yeah, not say right. not you know, actually do anything. So this it is, didn't help Luther Strange. Will it help Roy Moore? Well, I don't think it helped Luther Strange because the real Trumpist candidate's always been Roy Moore. Um, and that's I, I always thought it was baffling that they, you know, they went to bat for for Strange over Moore, and now I think they found the synergy. Right. Um now, you know, I, I still think there's a good chance for Jones to win. Um, and I think one of the problems with the polls that we've seen is they don't do a lot of the, the smaller polls that show more pulling ahead. Aren't they don't have a solid demographic breakdown uh, I, I'm, I'm skeptical about their likely voter screens. Mm-hmm. So I would say Jones has a good shot of winning. Uh, but also this if Moore does pull this out, I think it shows that Trumpism is damn viable. It's not dead the way people were were proclaiming it dead after Virginia elections. Um, And it is certainly dependent on, to me, just how effective voter suppression is in this country. Well, let's say it does work, okay? So then you've got the, the Republican Party is the party of Donald Trump and Roy Moore. I mean, no doubt about it, yeah. right? Going into 2018. What does that mean for the Republican Party? I mean, you, you, I could write the ads. We could sit here and write the ads ourselves, right? You can write the ads yourself. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think if there's not enough ammunition now to, to stop Roy Moore, Republicans well, have just got to be feeling brazen and bold in 2018. Well, not enough yeah. ammunition maybe in Alabama. But there are other states where I think the combination right. of Donald Trump rep- reflecting the party and talking about the party as the party of Donald Trump and Roy Moore is not going to sell well. So I think, yeah, I think what will happen is in places, uh, and I, I'm actually going to tie this all to voter suppression. I'm going to tie it all to voter suppression because I think that's yeah. uh, where you're going to see the gains the most for Republicans in 2018 are going to be in places that have restricted b- ballot access the most. And where you're yeah. going to see gains for Democrats are where you've seen real pushes to reverse felony disenfranchisement, to reverse, to, to add online uh, registration, to make the ballot access easier. And I don't quite have a handle on the bal- overall balance that to say who's going to pull out the most seats in 2018. But I think right now it's definitely a race between those two aspects. We saw last week, shifting topics here, uh, the resignation of the senior member of the House of Representatives, Senator, uh, Congressman John Conyers, um, which caused a real split in the uh, Congressional Black Caucus. Um, do you think there's a double standard when it comes to a John Conyers and sexual harassment versus a Blake Farenholt or a Trent Franks? Well, I don't know. Franks resigned on his own. Nobody called on I mean, Ryan never called on him. Paul Ryan never right. called on him to resign. He just did. I think you do want to look at each of the cases individually and think about what actually happened in these, uh, I think the allegations against Representative Conyers were, were pretty damning. In any year, uh, not just one post the, the Weinstein effect, I think you would expect him to retire after these allegations. Um, now, whether 
the Senate Democrats foot dragged on other people who had been accused of things. I think that's possible. Um, And I do think there is a political calculus at play here where we know Conyers' seat is going to go to a Democrat. uh, And people may have felt more comfortable just Mm -hmm. pushing him out. But uh, I think that response should probably be the dominant one. It shouldn't be one where you protect Conyers because you're protecting other people. It should be one where everyone gets treated with the same amount of uh, I think uh, of, of scrutiny as Conyers and, and should be with the, the weight of these allegations should be they should be reconsidered and so that's uh, should be the bottom line there. Yeah, it is interesting that Conyers. Uh, I mean that Paul Ryan was quick to jump on to suggest calling on Conyers to resign. Never had, has has not done so with Frank Farenthold, uh, Blake Farenthold, and did not do so with um, Trent Franks either. So well, Republicans, that's a whole different. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe um, Conyers should just should have changed his party identification. Yeah, I've, I've seen that joke a couple times, and it'd that, be interesting. <laughs> then Paul Ryan might have thought differently of him yeah. uh, in that case. Uh, Donald Trump made a special trip on Saturday uh, up to Mississippi to open the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum. Um, what What is your reaction um, as a young African American to seeing the after the civil rights movement? Right, heralded in Mississippi by Donald Trump. Well, let's lay out a couple things, right? Okay, so Emmett Till was killed, uh, and Medgar Evers was killed by people affiliated with the Klan. The president endorsed by the Klan yes. showed up, who who said that the Klan. Uh, well, I forget how the quote very, went. Very not very, very fine people. Very fine people. Some very mm-hmm. fine people in the Klan. In 1968, Dr. King was shot and killed. Uh, the Fair Housing Act was passed in the wake of his death. Four years later, the Trump business uh, father and son, father and son, they are uh, they come and they they get charged with violating that act, not renting to African Americans, right? Refusing to rent to right. African Americans, yes. So, what does it say? Uh, when... How about for five years, Donald Trump leads the movement to say that the first African-American president is not a legitimate president of the United States. Right, and still sometimes refuses to recant that he said any of those things. Yes. So, yeah, this is, uh, it's not even just incongruous, especially after they attacked Congressman John Lewis for not coming and saying he he was missing out on commemorating the heroes of the civil rights movement. He is a hero of the civil (laughs) rights movement. And, you know, this is just, it's brazen... I don't want to say disrespect, but yeah, it's disrespect of, of what the civil rights movement had to endure and, and what they fought. It reminds me of uh, when we had MLK Day established, when Reagan came on and said that King was a great man who represented everything America could do and you know that he represented all of America. He never referenced that he himself, as governor of California, had said that King was pretty much responsible for his own death because he advocated civil disobedience. So we're in the same place. It's not new. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And the speakers at the museum uh, were eight white men. <sighs> Just beautiful. Yeah. Just beautiful. Uh, Donald, and also in his remarks, and it was interesting that, in effect, they would not let Donald Trump speak at the big crowd outside because they knew... He would be booed. He spoke at a little yeah. private gathering uh, inside. But his thoughts, okay, he is at the opening of the Civil Rights Museum in Mississippi, of all places, 
And what does he think about? He thinks about how many votes he got in Mississippi. Here he is. This is an incredible tribute, not only to the state to me. of Mississippi, a state that I love, a state where I've had great success. Oh. This is a tribute to our nation at the highest level. state where I've had great success. I got so many electoral votes in Mississippi. It's, he says he studied Dr. King extensively. I don't know. It, it, this is. This seems pretty like disgusting. If we weren't in the middle of all these other things, this would be like a new low. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know it's just kind of background noise. You know, we, we There's actually, no such thing as a new low. No, and we act so surprised at where we are as a country and all the terrible things that are going up. But the, the fact that this was allowed to happen, I mean, aside from aside from just Donald Trump speaking there, but in the civil rights. Museum, all the speakers were white. Mm-hmm. That speaks volumes. Civil rights don't really matter to to a lot of the people. Uh, one other thing, uh, yeah, you're right. It's also a new low again when uh, you know, the the president is in effect saying, "I'd rather have a pedophile than a Democrat." I mean that that's his position in Alabama. And if you get you can get any lower than that, I don't know where you go. Um, other than maybe grabbing women by their genitals. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's right. He did that, That tape too. never happened. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's right. right. That's that right. The alleged tape. The, the alleged <laughs> tape. I'm sorry. I forgot to add that. Um, you've also been writing about Obamacare. Yeah. Is it still a, is Obamacare still exist? <laughs> <laughs> it still what? exists. Uh, yeah. And signups have actually been stronger than I expected in that piece uh, through the last week. Uh, but, you know, I still think it's, it's, it's on edge. Um, and... The administration has done lots of things and will continue to do lots of things that will undermine it. They are doing everything they can to undermine it, like shortening the registration period and also keeping it a big secret. Keeping it a secret, cutting the budget. Uh, CMS administrator uh, Seema Verma has not yet tweeted about open enrollment. Open enrollment ends uh, in four days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in three days. Uh, Yeah, so, hey, it's... um, it's a really big, complicated law, and it requires the full buy-in of the federal government to work. And I, I think when President Obama left, we, we or when Trump was inaugurated, lots of people underestimated uh, the impact that the federal government could have without passing a bill at all in uh, undermining it and, and, and rolling it back. And now we have in the tax bill that seems likely to, to, to be signed into law— uh, the rollback of the uh, mandate, and there doesn't seem to be any uh, corresponding provision against cutting Medicare that was supposed to be in it under the Senate law. Uh, so when this thing triggers, when this thing goes $1.5 trillion over the deficit and, and triggers a sequester, that means health care funding will not be safe. So oh, no. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that, I call that round two. Oh, beautiful. Uh, uh, right. you know, this is round one, right? Yeah. So they create the deficit, and then round two is we have to deal with the deficit, and the way we deal with the deficit is by doing what we always wanted to do in the first place, cutting Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. I, I think mean, Paul Ryan's know. already said yep. that exactly. exact same thing. No, exactly. Yeah. That is Paul Ryan's yeah. agenda. They've admitted that. Uh, and what was it, Bernie? Somebody on the floor the other day, uh, 
kind of admitted that, and Bernie Sanders said... It was Pat Toomey. Pat, Pat Toomey, Toomey and Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders said, you let the cat out of the box. Yeah. <laughs> just let the cat out of the box. Or whatever the phrase is. Or whatever the phrase, <laughs> whatever the phrase is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's next year's agenda. Yeah. And, and by making it, by destabilizing it more and more, you create the impetus to have to fix it, quote-unquote. Right. And fixing it just means repealing it. Yeah. That's That's the whole thing. Right. This yeah. is the this is the whole thing. Start that that same Ronald Reagan did the same tried the same trick and David Stockman called him out on it. His budget director yep. said, "Here's exactly what we're doing." Hey fans, so good to see you. Thank you so much. Uh, have a great Christmas, a great holiday, and um, we'll see you early again in 2018. Sounds good to me. If not before. All right. <laughs> yes, Nina Turner joining us from Our Revolution next on What's Up with the DNC and the big changes coming. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Here we are. Can you believe it? Just two weeks from today, Christmas Day. Oh, my gosh. Get ready. If you're not ready yet, get moving. Hello, everybody. And meanwhile, take thanks for taking time out to join us here on the Bill Press Show. We are coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and reaching out to you all across this great land of ours, coast to coast, and we're right alongside of you there online, on television, and on the radio with all the news of the day, and there is a lot of news going on. Nikki Haley yesterday, our ambassador to the U.N., saying that the women who accused Donald Trump of sexual assault should be heard, should have their day in court. That is not what the White House is saying, and Donald Trump still calls them liars and fabricators. Uh, Congressman, Republican Congressman Trent Franks uh, resigning uh, over uh, accusations of sexual harassment. Uh, the voters of Alabama, tomorrow is the big day when Doug Jones, uh, one would hope, becomes the next senator from Alabama, hopefully not Roy Moore. And the members of the Democratic DNC Unity Reform Commission have recommending cutting superdelegates by more than half a member of that commission, the president of our revolution, here in studio with us this half hour, Nina Turner, great to see you. Thank you, Bill. Great to be here with you. Oh, man, thanks for coming in. You had a busy weekend. My pleasure. Huh? Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been at this for almost a year, though. I want yeah. your listeners to know right. this has been a long process. Right. And it's all coming now. The recommendations are made. We want to hear all about that, and we yes. will. And we want to hear from you, your comments uh, on the uh, um, the Unity Commission's recommendations, as well as other items in the news Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... 
This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. It is Monday, so let's take a look back at the weekend box office. The kids' movie Coco is still mm. number one. It was a pretty slow weekend at the box office, relatively speaking. Brought in $18.3 million. It was a steep drop-off to number two. Justice League was number two, and then Wonder was number three. No, uh, they, they, they'd all been out for a couple of weeks, yeah. so they didn't get big numbers. And by the way, speaking of movies, this morning, Saudi Arabia announced that it will allow movie theaters to open in the conservative kingdom next year. So as we begin 2018, wow. for the first time in 35 years, there will be movie theaters in Saudi Arabia. It's no wild. idea there were no movie theaters in it. Yeah, I, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't either. It's such a backward country. Yeah. Uh, but they shut them down uh, in the 1980s because it was a wave of sort of ultra-conservatism that swept through the uh, the kingdom. And so they said that back then they viewed Western movies uh, as sinful. Mm. And so only the good ones are. Yeah. But, but then, uh, but then they they said today they're going to reverse that. They're going to allow them back in 2018. So if you want to go see a movie, start planning for what you want to see in uh, Saudi Arabia. And, progress. Yeah, yeah progress. Right? And there. the crown prince, it turns out, is the person who bought that Leonardo da Vinci painting for 450 million dollars. How about that? Wow. This, nuts? this is the reform crown prince, right? right. Who's yeah. spending money like that? Yeah, exactly. By the way, over the weekend, the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conceptions, right here in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. they finally finished working on it. It's been a hundred years that mm-hmm. they've been building this place. I mean, it's been open to the public for yeah, quite some in, time. I've been in it several times, Yeah, I'm sure right? you have. Yeah. But it's finished. It's complete. There's no more <laughs> There's no more work being done on it. That means it is now the largest Catholic church in North America. Wasn't there earthquake damage a couple of years there ago? There was earthquake damage a couple of years ago. You are correct. Yes, but they they but they were even then back then they were still working on it. So Can I say something uh oh, I, oh, It's your show, man. Yeah. Right. I, I was say whatever you want. Thing, yeah, don't, don't ask me. <laughs> uh, it's ugly. Oh wow. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I think. The, I, I don't mind the outside. The inside is ugly. The the, the mural on the back of the uh, of the altar there Whatever they call so are you kicked out of the Catholic Church now for saying that? I think so. Well, hopefully the renovations say. will take less time. <laughs> on your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hello, hello, yes, indeed. Uh, Nikki Haley, ambassador to the U.N., says those women who accuse Donald Trump of sexual harassment, sexual assault, should have their day in court. That's not what the White House is saying. They're saying just the opposite. They're still calling them liars and fabricators. Hey, hello, everybody. With that little bit of news, we start off here on a Monday. Monday, December 11th. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and, of course, joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, coast-to-coast on Free Speech TV, and out in the Chicago area on the great WCPT. Thanks for being with us, and send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, and join me in welcoming to the program the president of Our Revolution, um, the new Bernie, uh, a year old well, now, I guess. A year. A year. We're still... Yeah. 
new. I think consider yeah. it new. <laughs> and a great organization, Our Revolution, OurRevolution.com. Yes. Right? Nina Turner, it's good to see you. Good morning. So good to be with you. How are you feeling? Well, right? Mighty fine. Good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Now, this, so the DNC Unity Reform Commission, mm-hmm. big news. Um, the commission was formed right after the Democratic convention. Yes, yeah, so an agreement between Senator Sanders and Secretary Clinton's right, campaigns. Right, yeah. uh, To take a look at some of these issues around surrounding the Democratic primary and make recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big, maybe the number one item, right, was superdelegates. Yes, was the big thing. But this was pre-written into the resolution, so it's important to your listeners and viewers to know that, that of all the things we tackle, whether it was caucuses, primaries, transforming the Democratic Party and superdelegates, this one was baked in, so to speak, and it is a 60% reduction of the That's what you recommend. So, by the way, the process is you've, you've made your recommendations. We have. And then it goes to the... Rules and Bylaws Committee. They, okay. have, they have six months to take this up, <laughs> but the Unity Reform Commission, especially the, on the Sanders side, they were what we are affectionately called the Bernie Eight. Uh, we're going to be working and pushing. Our revolution is going to be pushing with other grassroots and progressive organizations that the, they do it sooner. That they do it sooner. So that right. for the fall, the the March meeting, the spring meeting, we should take that up then at the DNC at the DNC. Meeting. Absolutely, right. yes, sir. Yeah, Why we're we waiting for the fall? Let's do it. No, do it right yeah. now. Yeah, get yeah. it done. Everybody's yes. been waiting for this, right? Yes. So let's talk. So, what is your recommendation on super? How many were there, and how many would there be now uh, under this recommendation? Well, super delegates. There were four hundred. And 47, uh, there'll be 280 unpledged superdelegates. Those are governors, uh, former elected officials like the vice president, the president of the United States, distinguished folks across the country, and then the grassroots folks. So baked into the agreement between Senator Sanders and Secretary Clinton's was a 60 percent reduction all the way. So that means that 280 unpledged delegates or superdelegates, if you will, will be unbound, while 447 folks will be bound for a total of a little over uh, seven. Bound meaning they have to they vote. Ha- they have to go with their state oh. on the on the first oh. round Got it. of voting. Right. Got it. Okay. For yeah. a presidential primary. Mm-hmm. And then if there's a second round of voting, they go back to being super, super, <laughs> you know, if you will. Yeah. But right. 280 now uh, out of the 700-something, only 280 will be free, and then 447 will be bound by their state on the first round of voting. That is progress. Now, th- some folks on the commission, like myself, wanted no superdelegates. I was just going to say, why do you have any superdelegates at all? But, you know, the establishment, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they died. People, some people still want this process. There were other folks on the commission who wanted to keep the superdelegates the way that they are. They didn't want any change. And then there were people like me who wanted them to go away totally. And so something, this was a compromise. It was a compromise. And in compromise, you know, you never get 100% of what you want. Right. It is progress, but that doesn't mean that grassroots folks can't still push the Rules and Bylaws Committee, who are not bound by the resolution mm-hmm. like we were, yeah. Yeah. to even go further. And as you remember, Senator Tim Kaine, a couple of, you know, maybe a month or so ago, was reported in Politico that he said, let's, let's do away with superdelegates all together, and he challenged his colleagues who will remain within that 280 to to vote the way of their state. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So superdelegates can, on their own, without the Unity Reform Commission, determine that 280 can determine that we're going to vote the way of our state. So I just want to be sure I understand and all of our viewers and listeners understand, because I think at the uh, it, it, to me it sounds a little backwards, bound and unbound, what the, exactly that means. So when you say 447 are bound, yes, that means they have to follow how their state voted. That's right. Right? That's right. So yes. that does away with cases like we had the last time where I remember Massachusetts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Was it Massachusetts? I forget what state. but There were several states. states that, that went for Bernie. Yes. But the superdelegates, like the senators, said, no, they were still going to stay with Hillary. That's right. And, and then in some cases where the senator won a state, Secretary Clinton still ended, getting, ended up getting more of the delegates yeah. because the superdelegates tilted the scale. Right. And so this is we're trying to stop that from from happening for anybody. You know, I want folks to know that this is we don't know who not the nominee, who people yeah, who will run right. in the future. But right. this is an attempt to balance the scale somewhat. And, and what that does is it really respects the vote of, of the, the people, people of That's the right. state. Right? That's right. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, to, to say that people who have more titles now, titles are good. Don't get me wrong, but I say purpose is better. But really, the system says that the people who have the biggest titles know better than the average everyday person. And that's a bit elitist. Mm-hmm. So we have reduced that and uh, hopefully we'll continue to. to so the 280, when you say they are unbound, that means they're free to go against the people of their state. They, absolutely. Still. They sure can still. Yeah. And that doesn't sit well with some folks, but I want people doesn't to sit. know no. that the Unity Reform Commission was bound by that. Again, every other area was yeah. open yeah. for debate. That one was mandated within the resolution as much as people like me, uh, Representative Lucy Flores, you know, others of us did not believe that there should be any superdelegates. We fought to try yeah. to change yeah. it. But minimally, some folks should take some Look, comfort. Yeah. No, this, some this is th- that's right. No, this is real progress. <laughs> yeah, it is. Progress. It just doesn't go as far as, as you far and I would as, like to see yes. it. And uh, I think people continue to raise hell. But that's right. Uh, as one during the primary that, like you, I was advocating getting rid of the superdelegates. Yes. I mean, you know, again, the people of the state ought to have, I think, have I the do last too. word. And we got to take the bitter with the sweet. And again, we're saying that people, uh, we're really saying that the grassroots doesn't know what they want. You're saying to the voter, you were wrong, and I'm going to override your will. And, and that's not right, whether we like it or not. Okay. Uh, how about caucuses? Yes. And then we have closed primaries, too. We do. Listen, Which, we tried to push for open primaries. We were voted down. You oh, know, There were 21 really? members on this commission. Uh, San- Senator Sanders only had, there were eight of us, the Bernie eight. Bernie so we eight. were, we went in at a disadvantage mm. from the beginning and we argued hard. And that came, you know, uh, Jeff Weaver, the senator's uh, campaign manager, really uh, carried that, pushed it hard, but but we were voted down in terms of open primaries. But it's important uh-huh. though that we yeah. that we have open primaries because we need the Democrats in order to win. We cannot win elections with just people who identify on paper as Democrats. It is insane yeah. to have a closed primary. It, it is. It, I mean, I, I've argued this with some of my friends as well. But th- th- what the Democratic Party is to me has to be all about is bringing new people in. And, and, yes. and Senator Sanders did that. He did that. That's you right. You know, so many independents, so many young people, people yeah. who had not been involved in the party before, who they wanted to come in, they wanted to register, they wanted to vote. That's right. And unless they had been Democrats like for 59 years, yeah. right, and some of these rules. They're locked out. They're locked out. And look out. at states like New York, for example, oh, where New you York have to it. register almost a year 
to vote next year, people had to register as a Democrat this have, year. I think if you are not registered now, right, you New won't York, be able to vote as a Democrat next year or a Republican that next is year. It, it, crazy. it makes crazy. It is crazy. I, I I told this story on air uh, last year. My neighbor was a hardcore Bernie guy. Yeah. But he was registered as an independent. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when he showed up to go vote for Bernie in the Maryland primary, couldn't vote for he Bernie. Couldn't do it. He couldn't vote for Bernie. Yeah. And that's for anybody because we're making yeah. this about you know yeah. Senator Sanders no, no, no. and Secretary right. Clinton, but we're trying to open yeah. this up for future yeah, yeah, uh, no, generations. For yeah. Democrats to win. That's right. They, we got to have the independent voter. I mean, we really in do. other words, I mean, it's almost like why campaign? Yeah. For in why bring in new people if you can't if they can't if vote? They can't vote makes no sense, and it contradicts everything the Democratic Party is all about. But you know, but, but the argument about. is, and I would love your damn it. I should have been there with you. Fighting, I, I would have loved. I'm but, not saying we would have won, but still, but still, I, but you know, the argument is only Democrats mm-hmm. on paper should be able to decide their nominee. That is the argument out there. But counter to that, I would argue, okay. I, I understand where yeah. you're coming from. I don't necessarily agree because there are a lot of independent independents lean one way or the other. And hello, we, th- I think there are more Demo- uh, independents red, today. That's it. More registered independents in this country than Democrats or Republicans. Right. Right. But how is hypocrisy? And I said this that you're going to say to independents, you're not good enough to vote for us in the primary, but in the general, yeah, we yeah. need you. Mm-mm. We no. want you. We love you. It doesn't work. Doesn't yeah. make sense no. at all. It's I mean, not right. you've got to recognize the power is is, is with the independents. That's today. it. It is, and especially millennial millennials identify more as independents than any other generation. If you talk about, and I've heard that very phrase. Yeah, uh, Nina, that you've heard. If you, to me, the definition of elitism mm. is to say we only want Democrats to decide who the Democratic nominee. In other words, unless you've been a Democrat as long as I have, right. That's what this that whole attitude is. You don't count. You don't count. And then with a straight face, I mean, so so to me, it's it's a form of voter uh, suppression. Yeah, you know. And so we are the party that fights. I mean, there's no doubt that instead of saying, "Yeah, hey, I've been a Democrat all my life," welcome, welcome. We want glad you're coming in. Right. This is why you are important Uh -uh. to us, and would hope then that they would identify, want to, you know, sign on the dotted line, so to speak. Yeah. But right. why block them out in the primary? But I don't know. But, I mean, we have a whole lot of other okay. good stuff that happened, right? right. But do we okay. want to go down yeah. the list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Better. We got, we got a good list. All right. Okay. right? All you right. and I, we got a good list. You know, so reducing the number of unpledged delegates, we dealt with that. Electoral yeah. reforms and a process for rewarding states that have same-day voter registration. All right. Good. And same-day you can sign on the dotted line, so to speak, to be a Democrat. We want to reward states that do that mm-hmm. because the Democratic Party should be the champion of that. Even if you yeah. want people to sign on the right. dotted line, it's up let's to do states, it the same but you're going to reward we got, the states We're going to do too. that, yes. That's good. Um, a commitment to reevaluating the allocation formula so that primary caucus winners receive more pledged delegates, making sure that it is not skewed. And in terms of caucuses, I love caucuses only because it brings the community together but they are he- they, they, it's a heavy process. You got to stay all day. Oh, yeah, yeah, you might not yeah. be so within our reform effort. And Bernie did well with the caucuses, as I recall, right? He did. But I went yeah, to but... Nevada. I mean, Ohio is not a caucus state. I had never been in a caucus before. Mm. It is a job. Oh, no. oh, it's no. all day. Yeah, I, I know. But I've covered them in Iowa. I mean. Yeah, we but we want how many people, people now, have that much time? They to don't go. have that much time, so we recommended that folks are allowed to do absentee in a caucus. Mm-hmm. Which will definitely ameliorate, you know, some of the 
problem and the struggle with having to stay at a caucus all day. You shouldn't have to do that. But a caucus serves a two-tier process, I think. It's not only just coming there to vote for the person you want to be the Democratic nominee, but it also can be used as party building. You know, because the community comes together, you get a chance to talk to one another. Unlike a primary, you just go in and vote and you leave. But in caucuses, I think it's communal. But we are going to try to ameliorate some of the burdens uh, associated with a caucus. Okay. Now, um, uh, you've got your list. I don't. Wanna, yeah. I don't wanna... No, you got you got our list too. So no, that's right. good. Let's, let's right. talk. So You're I... gonna take some callers or? Oh, now I want to ask you about this. Uh, so okay, let's let's the, the elephant in the room. Uh-oh. Right. We still have Iowa and New Hampshire. As the first two states? Yeah, we do. I mean, Iowa's never going to give that up. You know that. <laughs> New Hampshire will not either. You know, I'm not mad at them, even though I don't agree with it, but I get it. They're fighting for their place in the universe. But the whole primary calendar is somewhat skewed, too, right? I mean, a bit. Yeah. It is. First and, of all, it's, and the it, debate it, schedule as well, which yeah, that, that will that, be cleaned up, too. To, okay. To, to, what are we I doing? mean, even yeah, the I've, chairman Perez did say that they're going to release that schedule very early and do it in a way that it does not advantage one candidate or, over another. So I hope to see the Democratic Party actually do that. This is my concern. So it has to go. The Rules and Bylaws Committee will either take our recommendations or change our recommendations, at which point the Unity Reform Commission gets a chance to look at what the Rules and Bylaws Committee and reject it or accept it. Mm-hmm. If we accept it, then it goes to the floor of the DNC. Uh-huh. If we reject it, then our proposal that passed this weekend goes. So that's a little, I mean, oh. that's a kind of a safety net there. But we need two-thirds of the DNC members to vote for this to get these changes. So it's not over. And that's what I want folks that are listening mm-hmm. to us to know, that we need to run a robust <laughs> yeah. campaign yeah, because so it's not we, guaranteed. Okay, so how do we do that? I mean, who knows who the members of the Rules and Bylaws Committee are? Now, you can find that out by going to the DNC's you know website and and they they are going to be meeting what, their is, their is meetings Dem- are Democrats, public democrats.org or dnc.org i forget what the i, got, I don't visit that page often but <laughs> all truthfulness democrats.org but, democrats. but i think it's democrats.org so you can go there but it's going to be public so the 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 got chairperson it. of the rules and bylaws committee was also on the unity reform commission a uh, jim roosevelt Mm-hmm. And he's going to have they're going to have their first meetings either in the latter part of January or early February. And that will be made public. So I'm encouraging folks to come to that meeting or write to the members, write to the DNC and let them know how you feel about these changes and any right. other recommendations you may have. Yeah. Because it is not over until the members of the DNC actually vote for the changes that we recommended. Right. Right. And most I mean, most people have. Most people who are even active in the party mm-hmm. have no idea who the members of these various committees no, are. No, they don't. That it's is really an insider. It thing. is an so, insider's insider. But you can yeah. go to democrats.org, Peter. Yep, right? democrats.org. Democrats.org and yeah. find out yeah. because uh, it, 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 it is public. It's just not publicly right. known. Right. You, you got to dig will. a little bit. You and then dig. one other yeah. thing I really want folks to know is this ombudsman, and this was something that was pushed by Dr. Jim Zogby. But financial transparency, because you know what Donna Brazil's book revealed, that there was very little, if any, uh, transparency. But the creation of an ombudsman's committee so that any candidate that is running that they feel like they've been aggrieved, they have a committee to go to to hear their concerns about whether or not somebody has placed their oh, yeah. thumb or their that's body on the good. scale yeah. are very good. And and so and that's we can, one of the yeah, recommendations. That is one of the recommendations. And Dr. Jim Zogby pushed for that 
hard. <laughs> and we got consensus on that. So I want Good. it wasn't Good. all bad. I want folks to understand it. You go in and you argue your position and you bring out consensus. This is something bad to me. It sounds great know, to me. Yeah, right? Yeah, no, we no, got I some progress it, going. Absolutely. But it's not over. Right. Right? The yeah. DNC. That's the important message. That is, it's that not is the over message. the it's Rules Committee over. and the Rules by, and Bylaws yes. and then the DNC. And then the DNC. And, so, and this is important stuff. This is, is really important stuff. If we want to if we really want a level playing field yes. and a fair process, fair process the next time around, these changes are key. They are. And so uh, anybody who really cares about that ought to take the time Want to them dig to get in. Engaged. And then I think the best way to show up at the meeting, where it depends on where yes, the meeting show is, up at the meeting. or just email into get the right email. Yes, do that. Write or email into the DNC directed to that rules and bylaws that's committee it. and say, we want you to we want you to accept support, and accept these recommendations of the unity. That's commission. right. And yeah. our revolution will be again ever, engaged this yeah. whole time. And you're running get up other for, organizations that's it, to do this. Other organizations. Yeah. So ourrevolution.com. You can check back with us too for updates. But we are really engaged in this process because we want to see this happen for future candidates. Absolutely. You yeah. know, and the future of the Democratic Party. No, all it's fair, all, it's, transparent. It's all on the line right now. It's all Ab- on the yeah, line. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, what uh, tell us also uh, um, what are the latest targets in terms of candidates? Because you you're active in so many, just about all fifty states. right? Oh my God, we are. Yeah. We have five hundred affiliates. We are so excited about that. We are in forty nine states. Bill, I want if South Dakota is listening, which I hope that they are. Come South on. Dakota, they're out there. It's our only state, but we are working with some with some of the Sanders delegates in South Dakota to start an affiliate but we are you know gearing up right now the political committee of our revolution will start to review the 2018 candidates that have been nominated from our groups so far i i think i'm going to call my friend tom dashell and say come on <laughs> yes yeah, come on tom, you you got, come on you, you know you got a lot of friends still left in south dakota yes. that's the one state the one state we're even international we have the democrats abroad have formed affiliates across the world. Mm. So we're in Great Britain. We are in France. We're in seven foreign countries, which is a big deal. I am so proud of the progress that our revolution has made. And um, so, of course, we're at the end of the year now. But yeah. you're targeting in 2018. 2018. Or, or, I guess yeah. you're still in the process of picking or deciding are, which races you're going to be involved because in. Because most of the candidates we endorse on the national level come from the grassroots affiliates because we thought it was very yeah. important to hear their right. voice. So we are in the process of looking at those races right now. And I mean, are you I, looking at state legislative races and governor's oh, races? Oh, absolutely. The same thing we did this year. It is everything from school board, if there are any next year, all the way up to governor's mansions. We will play in those races because that is how you build a progressive America. Not just who's in the White House, not just who's in the Congress, but yeah. who is the mayor, who's the governor, who's the secretary of state all of those things matter i mean i just traveled i went to 12 states uh in, in in about 60 days and that's not even counting the tour that senator sanders and i went two weekends ago where we went to ohio kentucky and pennsylvania to push back against that gop tax bill mm-hmm. good lord i heard you talking about that earlier oh yeah we it's, need it's people just, to be engaged it's just getting worse and worse that it tax is. bill right on the backs of the working poor and the middle class and with a straight face these folks. That is why the Democratic Party has to get itself together so that we motivate and energize people to believe in what this party should be standing for so that we can fight on behalf of the people. One of the big races that you were involved in this year and you came in and talked to us about it, I think you were on your way there. 
or maybe just back. It's Birmingham, Alabama. Oh my God! Yeah, you were just getting back. You were just getting Peter, back from yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were just Mayor back. Randall Woodfin. He was already sworn in, so he's yeah. he's at the helm right now. But the the power of the grassroots, they were able to build to register eleven over eleven thousand new voters to the process. He won across all demographics, young, seasoned, mm-hmm. all over that city. He won. Okay. What is that? So yeah, I was there. What does that say for what's going to happen tomorrow in Alabama? Well, you know what? We know that the it's it's a tie, it's a dead heat. This is going to be a turnout election. Um, the African American community is going to have to turn out equal to the level it turned out for President Obama in two thousand and eight. I believe was the calculation. That was about twenty five percent for uh, Mr. Jones to mm-hmm. to to be able to win. And that is that is hard. You know, as one of my colleagues talked about yesterday when we were on CNN together, I mean, it's winter, it's December. You know, people are not necessarily accustomed to voting in December, but this is going to be a yeah. turnout election. And I just I want people to turn out. I, w- I want him to, to win. But also after this, it is also important that the Democratic Party understands that you just can't cattle call folks out to vote. We have to yep. build real relationship. Yep. And we have not played in terms of building relationship in red states, Bill and Peter. And that just breaks my heart because what we're saying is that the burden is now on the African-American community. Mm -mm. And Mm -hmm. that is an unfair burden. Unfair burden. Yeah. Especially yeah. when, especially when we put African American voters into such a hole for so long. Yes, look at our cities. Look at p- places like Flint. Look at the fact that the Democratic Party has not ever elected a black woman as governor across this country. And, and I mean to always say to the black voter, as as the d- Democrats say, it's all on you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all on you. That yeah. is an unfair burden. We must do better. But. Back to the positive, the election of Randall Woodfin, Mayor yeah. Randall Woodfin, is a really yeah. good sign of things to come if we can cultivate and not we we got to go into the red states. I've talked I've been to Texas with Jim Hightower, Bill, who you oh, know very I love well. Jim Hightower. And, yeah. and and we went all over the state, but the, the the city that we ended up, Tyler, Texas, which was the reddest place of of the five cities that we went to, the turnout there was the heaviest because you have Democrats and progressives in those states who say, don't leave us out. We're here trying to fight the good fight. But Democrats, especially on the national level, ignore those states. We cannot afford 2018 and beyond to ignore any state yeah. or anybody in those but states. Back, back to Alabama, that's part of the problem is there was never any uh, um, organization no, built No, no cultivation. Right? No. They told us that when Senator that, Sanders and I went there last year, they said, they don't pay attention to us. There's no investment mm-hmm. in the state party apparatus or the local county party right, apparatus. Right. And we so need So they basically help. don't exist. Right. right. And then they say, okay, now suddenly, like overnight, like snap your fingers, you got to get 20, 30% yeah. of the African Americans out to vote. Hello. Yeah. It, it just doesn't work like that. You must mm. cultivate relationship and you have to serve the people. And when you do that, then when it's time when we have a situation like this, which it is break the glass in case of emergency, that the Republican Party would rather have an alleged pedophile as as, as a U.S. senator than to have a Democrat. Something something is, is just absolutely wrong oh, with that. Man. But you, we, we yeah. have to cultivate relationships on the Democratic side so that voters are excited about electing us because they know that we are going to serve their best interest. But I want the folks in Alabama, as frustrated as I am about the burden that the yeah, African-American community, I want them to come out. So important. Come so. out, baby, and vote.
They got to. All right. Final question. You and uh, Senator Sanders are out there, uh, as you said, what, three states or so? That yeah. Two? Kentucky, Ohio, my beloved Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Ohio. And Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, and this was uh, the first round of uh, Bernie Sanders for president in 2020? <laughs> I would hope so. The senator didn't let me in on any secrets, but <laughs> I'm going to go on the record and say that I, along with many, many other folks that I talk to across this country, are hoping that the senator will run again in 2020. All right. It's OurRevolution.com. Nina Turner, you got to run fast to keep up with her. I'm warning you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And, and happy holidays, Bill, just in case Yeah, Merry that. Christmas. Happy Merry holidays. Christmas, Great happy to holiday. see you. Kwanzaa. Anything you, su- you uh, celebrate, make it a good celebration. What was it, Jim? Uh, uh, Kinky Freeman said, may the God of your choice bless you. May the God Amen. of your choice bless Amen. you. There Amen. you go. With a quick break, quick break, we're going to take a look at the latest mess in Congress with Matt Fuller from HuffPost. Thanks so much, Nina. Thank Great to you, see you. Really. you. Just let the cat out of the box. Get social with is. Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. video bill's commentary the best clips from the show all in one place youtube.com slash the bill press show how about it on a monday december 11 here we are the bill press show live coast to coast from our nation's capital in washington dc with all the news of the day and brought to you today by the international association of firefighters those good men and women of our firefighting departments all across the country. You know them, you see them, you depend on them. We all do under the leadership of President Harold Schaitberger, protecting American families every single day of the year. We salute them, thank them for their good work, their support of our program, and direct you, uh, encourage you. Check out their website for all the good things that they're doing at IAFF, IAFF.org. Joining us in studio, Matt Fuller, Covers the Congress for HuffPost. Matt, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, we all want to thank you for uh, not shutting down the government last week. I mean, all me. That, uh, <laughs> that's mine. I did it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what a great job! Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they put all their collective wisdom together, and they were able to keep things alive, open the doors open, and the lights on for another. Two weeks. Two weeks, right. Well, this is a, this yeah, is a lot of hard work went into that, huh? <laughs> well, right. This is now the second <laughs> CR they've done. Yeah. They also yeah. have another one coming. They fully admit that there's not another uh, larger spending deal, an omnibus deal that, that's coming. They want to do another CR right before Christmas. And this is the one where conservatives think they're going to get jammed with a lot of different Democratic priorities. But uh, at this point, still unclear because it, it, there isn't quite a deal here. It seems like they're... Democrats and Republicans are pretty close together on the spending components, but what else happens in that deal? Uh, certainly, Democrats uh, are. What else do for, Democrats want? Well, of course, they want DACA. That's the the, the biggest negotiating point. And that doesn't seem likely on this on this particular CR, this first one. Uh, if it's going to happen, it, it seems like it could happen sometime in January during a, an omnibus. Uh, and obviously, that's the deferred action on childhood arrivals immigration program that uh, Trump ended, or at least halted in some way, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, they have a, a number of other things they want. They have the cost-sharing reductions for Obamacare, um, which is the sort of these s- subsidies that go back to insurers, that, uh, the rates that they offer for low-income people. 
it's sort of paying back the insurers for those rates, which in turn lowers the rates for everyone else. Um, and you know, ending those has been a significant burden on raising rates. And then they also have um, this uh, Susan Collins bill, this Collins Nelson bill, which is just two point two five billion uh, a year for just it would, it would be it's called a. An invisible high risk pool, basically just subsidies going to states to cover some of the expense of uh, some of these higher cost people for for insurance. And there's a few other small details, disaster relief. They want, they obviously want chip. That seems like it's certainly going to be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's what goes in this CR? What goes in the omnibus? That's sort of up <laughs> in the air. And obviously, they still have a spending component here because setting the top line number for the CR for the omnibus. Um, is you know that's really the big negotiating point. So we'll see how that that goes. But so this this one expires um, December twenty second. Yeah, this, I mean, a couple uh, days before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> did they do they're that? very productive that time of year. <laughs> right, right. Could they do that with a straight face? I mean, <laughs> well, not you know they they really they really didn't this time. I think um, they were kind of called out a little bit, and, and I think this was a very legitimate point from the Freedom Caucus. Uh, they said basically. You know, nothing good happens for Republicans right before Christmas because it's basically like, let's just get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and they, you, what ends up happening is these year-end spending deals. So the Freedom Caucus was looking but, at this like, let's kick it further after Christmas no, I mean, and go from there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, the whole thing of continuing resolutions or CRs mm-hmm. is, a, is a hell of a way to run a railroad. But, right. uh, but if they're going to do it, you would think that they would say, okay, let's go through the first week of January or something, right? Rather than kid ourselves that yeah. two days before Christmas. We're going to be in any serious negotiations. So, it won't be. Well, so here's here's nobody the, is going to shut down the government on December twenty second. That's basically right. Here's, right? There, there, the, there are a couple issues why it was December twenty second though. So first of all, you need the appropriations numbers for the larger omnibus deal. They need to set these numbers for defense and non defense so they can set a larger deal down the road. So they right now they're operating under the what's the Budget Control Act? So I think it was five hundred forty nine billion for defense, five fifteen for non defense, right? They know they're going to raise those caps. They know that's going to be a significant raise, somewhere in the fifty to sixty billion dollar range for each of those. They don't know exactly, so appropriators have to write a bill to those levels, and they don't have those levels at this point. So the other, and it takes you know lawmakers say it takes a couple of weeks to do this, and uh, you know I don't yeah. know how fast you can throw this thing together, but they have some priorities they want to put together and. Um, in January, and so January 21st, if you don't have a deal raising the caps, then we go to the, the sequester numbers, which are, the again, the 549, 515 billion. And for defense guys, they're looking at this like, well, the closer you get to that number on January 21st, the Pentagon starts setting these spending decisions in motion. We need a number, you know, ASAP. They can't it's going to affect the acquisition stuff, and there's all sorts of mechanical things that happen with the, with defense. So they're looking at, like, we need a number immediately. We can't wait any longer. And leadership is also looking at this and saying, well, we just need this to be, again, one of those deals where everyone just sort of gets on board because we know it's going to be a sort of a shitty deal for Republicans, and they just want to sort of jam it down their throats and say, all right, just get the hell out of here for Christmas, which is exactly what the Freedom Caucus sort of called them out for. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Um there. Meanwhile, <laughs> there's the tax cut bill. Hello. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It sort of disappeared, right? I mean, we were talking nothing but tax cuts, mm-hmm. like nonstop, twenty four seven, and really for the last few days. Uh, so, so there's another component to this. What's going on with well, that? Well, so here's the thing: is that the other component to this whole um, 
mess with the the spending stuff is a lot of these senators wanted side deals in the CR, right? So Susan Collins has some demands that she wants. Um, and she basically says, for my vote on tax reform, I'm going to need, oh. again, the Collins-Nelson. I'm going to need the CSR payments, oh. the Alexander so Murray tied, deal. She's tied the two together. She's tied the two together. So the Freedom Caucus said, well, let's try to, to uncouple them or decouple them, and let's try to pass this tax reform bill this week. And then obviously you have the another, another week or basically another two weeks, really, um, until you have to come around to mm-hmm. that second spending deal. Uh, now we're sort of learning that, um, no, in fact, we're not going to have that tax bill done quite yet. I mean, they certainly rushed the first uh, time mm-hmm. around, and they found out that you can make $300 billion mistakes when you're running it on the back of napkins and everything. So they're slowing it down a little bit. Um, there's obviously some still some deal-making. Has the conference between... committee started meeting yet? I think informally. I don't think there's been a formal meeting. Um, Has it been uh, appointed? Know, I, the the, yeah. the conferees are appointed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we know who those <laughs> folks are. There's a lot of folks who are who are unhappy that they didn't make it on. But um, they, yeah, they're they're sort of coming together here again. This is you know it's not just a deal with with uh, between ten lawmakers or whatever. It's still a leadership driven deal. This is still something that Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan at the end of the day are kind of sort of work out uh, between the two of them, and then the conferees are going to sort of hatch oh, out the yeah. the finer details of it. But um, you know, I think we still generally know what this tax bill looks like, even with the, the differences between the House and Senate. Uh, they're not all that far off. And if you know, if you're a Republican, you don't care about these the the major functional issues here. Then I just don't see this falling apart very easily. The only way it could fall apart is if Susan Collins doesn't get the deal that she wants. If Doug Jones wins tomorrow, and they have to seat. Um, you know they have to seat the Democrats, so they've lost one vote, and Corker's still a no, and now Collins is a no. Or maybe um, John McCain, you know, decides that he cares about process and, and is is upset that they're sort of screwing Susan Collins now or whatever. But all indications still seem like she's going to get the things that she wanted. Uh, conservatives are, you know, the Mark Walker, the Republican Study Co- Committee chairman, he's been saying, you know, I got all these assurances that this won't be in the CR and that won't be in the CR and. It's unclear, you know, how how true those things are, but it, it certainly seems like uh, Democrats are going to win on all these things um, coming up with the spending deal, and that will sort of get Collins there the rest of the way on the tax bill. So the two sort of do go together. Aren't they in a position <clears throat> where Republicans that they'll they'll almost pass a blank sheet of paper just to get? <laughs> there it is. We we I think a blank sheet of paper yeah. might do better than this bill right now. Um, <laughs> But I mean that they they really have convinced themselves that they need this. have to yeah. do something by the end of the year. Otherwise, they go into twenty eighteen empty handed. I think that's right. Um, yeah, I mean they, they they're sort of you know they know that the, it's not polling that well. Though a lot of them don't really believe polls all that much right now. Um, they say you you know once the public sort of understands this or they see the tax cuts in motion and this economy roaring and there may be some you know economic effects. I mean you're spending a trillion and a half dollars, right? It's, it's this is sort of like a, a different version of the stimulus uh, with more money at, at stake. Uh, so there's there's there could be some positive effects and that could also might work change other, things. Yeah, I believe it's going to work and it certainly could work the other way, which is the more people learn about. The tax bill, the less they're going to like right, it, and right. and uh, and it becomes a millstone around their neck in 2018. When people That's, realize that, hey, 
I might have a little bit of a tax rate, but in two years, my taxes are going to go up. Right. Well, that, I mean, and they're counting on, I mean, again, so like your taxes they're, aren't going to change this year. So that by the time you vote, you have really yeah. no right. clue what, right. you, what, what this what is going to look like. On. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the public perception really does matter in this. And, I, and also, if you were promised, you know, Republicans keep on telling this 1182, this number that you're going to get $1,000, $1,182 back for the average family for. Well, when a lot of middle class families don't see that, uh, they're going to be like, you know, where's my money, I think? Uh, and, and sort of the brilliance of the Bush tax cuts was at least like, hey, here's this check brought to you by George W. Bush right here. You know, I believe in tax cuts, even if it's $300, right? Uh, people still like, yeah. that's $300 I did not have. No. I'm no. pretty they, excited about that. You're right. They got a check. That was right. a brilliant <clears throat> move on his part. They got a check in the mail. And right. that's one thing. Remember with the Obama tax cuts, they didn't. It was right. Sort of right. Somehow, you know, out of your pay, <laughs> payroll tax reduced or something like that. So you didn't. But there was yeah. nothing like that. Getting that, uh, getting that check in the mail. And on the payroll tax cut idea, I mean, this, this, this thought. This is a middle class tax cut. The fact that we're not even talking about the payroll I, I know, tax I know. cut. I mean, I keep making that point too. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, if you really want to talk about a tax cut that's going to help the middle class, right. Don't talk about the income tax, right? Right. Talk right. about the payroll tax. Right. That's that's really what hits. Or this the idea most. again. I mean, it's the or same the sort of idea cut. with the corporate tax cuts. You, you yeah. Cut these rates. I mean, we, corporations already have record profits. They're holding onto record amounts of money. Uh, you know, increasing that doesn't. There's there isn't a direct relationship here. Or at least it doesn't seem like one. Not historically one between those two things and growth. And um, again, Republicans are counting on significant amount of growth to pay for these tax cuts and just continuing this sort of lie that tax cuts pay for themselves. And there's no evidence. There hasn't been one economic analysis no. that this does. I've that. talked to several business leaders, including uh, famous Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's, who was in the studio last week, who said that the, the idea that as a head of a big business, you're saying, well, you know, we want to expand and we want to build a new plant and we want to have a new line of products and we want to da 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 but we're waiting for a tax cut before we do that. Yeah. Is insane. Yeah. Yeah. No. He said you're it's the it's the demand, right? Right. Drives that, that, that yeah. drives this, right? And the and the potential for new customers and new customer did, base. Did he talk not... about his BBs thing? Did he do this? You no. guys seen this? No. It's it's a very cool. I'm sure it's it's around on Facebook and everything, but it's just him pouring BBs into a bucket and sort of illustrates what percentage of the tax cut and it you know each BB accounts for some sort of amount of money, but there's the individual signs, right? And then then eventually he does the corporate side oh. and it's a ton of BBs. Oh, yeah. sort of, it really yeah. illustrates for I think people cuz you know, you see these numbers and can't wrap your head around it, but you start hearing it and seeing the size yeah. of this, that this is really a corporate tax cut with a small restructuring on the individual side. He did make that point. He didn't bring the BBs in. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Those are probably harder to transport, but. <laughs> Get them back. All right. I mean, I'll take the ice cream over the BBs. <laughs> yeah, frankly. that works too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so um, what's happening on the, it's an interesting dynamic with these allegations of sexual harassment um, that, in, in member, we've seen it in Hollywood. We've seen mm-hmm. it, you know, in, in the media. Uh, but in Congress, they all don't seem to be getting the same amount of outrage or uh, or action. Yeah, What's certainly. At least so on one got, side, there's yeah. <laughs> you got John Conyers and Al Franken who are out. Yeah, and you got Blake Farenthold who is still in. And we do Trent, now have Trent Frank's out. But. Trent Frank's out. 
for uh, asking uh, his staff to to like <laughs> have a baby with him? What the hell? It is it is very bizarre because there's his version of it. It you know, like this sounds very survivable. His version of it sounds very survivable politically. Sure. I mean, we have you know, there's Congressman Scott Desjardins who pro-life congressman who asked his mistress to have an abortion, yeah. right? So, um, it who's, is very weird. Who's still there? He's still there. Yeah. And he, I mean, talk about a guy who's sort of just dug in and, and everyone sort of forgets about that, but, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the actual version sounds a lot worse than, because, yeah. again, it sound, he, he's a, again, a very, Trent Franks is a very pro, pro-life person himself, and it seems like the women that he was asking, again, these are his employees, uh, he's asking them to have sex with him, like conceive <laughs> in a natural pro-life way. I, I, it's very unclear what that means to me, other than like it's it could mean a turkey baster or something. Yeah, but right. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's it's bizarre. I mean, he did he did end up having a couple of children with a surrogate, right? But that's I mean, that's something you do usually with. A, someone who's not yes. in your employ. No, exactly. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah right, when exactly. You, when you ask someone that's wor- who works for you, if you like to do that, that's just a cheap check, way. Check the to old make, resume. <laughs> yeah, cheap way of just saying. Oh, childbearing you know. hips. Huh? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> You're hired. Uh, but 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 to the point of, uh, there does seem to be a difference in the way Democrats and Republicans are addressing this, right? Yeah. Uh, and there there is there are increasing demands for. Um, a process that is more open, more transparent, uh, tougher, and, and and acts faster than we now have in either the House or the Senate, uh, and a place where women know that they can go and get some action. Right. I mean, this is. I mean, this is a long time coming. And I think that this is the beginning of the reckoning here on Capitol Hill. I think there's a lot more stuff that's going to come out. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of different reporters working on some very big stories on on sexual harassment you and bet, members. I'll and bet you. Every yeah, this, man in Congress is, is can hear foot, he's can think, hear thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is the very beginning of this, and obviously, uh, long time coming with just Capitol Hill as a cesspool. Uh, it's it's sort of designed in this very gross way where uh, every office has their own individual rules and, and their own world, and there's no HR department, and women don't even know that there's anywhere they can go, and even if they do go somewhere, um, all the the burden of proof is completely on them. Like every every uh, way that they can protect the the uh, the accused, they do, and every way that they can sort of deter the the victim, they they absolutely do. And I think that this is you know this is a conversation that Capitol has needed to have for decades, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and finally starting in the very smallest way, and, and this is just just the beginning. Do you think there will be any? I mean, look. Let's go back to the bump stocks after Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we haven't done anything with gun 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 control, but uh, this is so outrageous that we'll definitely pass something to ban bump stocks. No, it didn't happen. So now everybody is saying, "Oh, this is so outrageous. We're definitely going to come up with some new rules on this." I'm not. I'm not sure they will. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it, think? I think that it's the 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 offices that have been dealing with this are so egregiously tilted towards the accused that uh, they have to and the fact that you're going to have more and more stories coming out the you know the the larger these 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 come out and the the, the worse that these sound I think there's a larger problem that is going to be clear to everyone 
And I mean, frankly, I feel like Congress could get sued any minute. Like this is a systemic issue there, and there's really been no serious hmm. protection for these people. Yeah, and it's just a you know a culture of silence there that uh, they've really left themselves op- out to like being sued. I really do feel that way. Um, so I think they have to do something just from the <laughs> the looks of it. It's just like it looks terrible on Capitol Hill if you have a system that's just completely protecting. Anyone who's accused, who's trying to deter anyone from reporting these things, uh, it's clear that this is not just a few bad apples. This is a a larger issue that is, is going to sort of come out, and it's going it's going to take a while. I mean, I think that you know part of the problem there is that women don't feel comfortable coming forward and saying, you know, this happened to me because uh, there's really no gain for them, and it's a, a very difficult and tough process, and you will be blackballed. Yeah, that, that, that's that's an interesting thing, like. We expect things to move so, so quickly these days. And we're, like, at the very, very beginning. Right. Yeah. I mean, phase one is getting rid of all uh, as many of these bad guys as possible. And then let's well, let's get some new people in there, men and women, who are going to be – who are going to take over those seats to put some stuff in place to make it possible for women to come forward, not just in the Congress, but across the country. I mean, there's a story out well, this morning. Mario Batali yeah. is having to leave his restaurant empire because of multiple sexual uh, assault and sexual harassment allegations, right? And part of the problem with, with Congress or the restaurant industry or anywhere you work is these women are having these things happen to them, and then they have nobody to go to. Yep. There's nobody there. They even reference in this article about Batali that there was not really a working HR department, yep. you know, especially in the early days when you're just running a restaurant. A restaurant, you just have the people that work in the restaurant. There's not an HR department for that group. So who do you talk to? And even the ones who do say something, there's nowhere. I think nothing nothing happens. Yeah. The uh, I mean, the, 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 the difference between the rapidity with which we've seen action in like in the media i mean sure, like, sure. charlie rose and Ma- matt lauer it was like overnight Ma- Ma- yeah. mario batali whatever i just heard that i didn't know that but with congress it's been yeah. going on let's, for a let's long have an time. investigation or yeah right yeah. exactly i mean I, if I, the I, allegations are true right you're right 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 if true <laughs> these are now, very serious so in yeah. this in, in this context <clears throat> right there's 50 50 chance that they're going to have roy moore right in the middle of them right yeah, right. maybe better than fifty-fifty. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, uh, and what does this do to this whole movement? I mean, certainly it shows the Republicans are talking out of one side of their mouth and then right. electing a guy those tax who's, cuts, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's the worst on the other hand because they need the tax cuts. Yeah, I mean, uh, more is going to be a problem for them. I, I, a lot of them do see it. Um, are they going to? Will they seat him? They have to seat him. Don't they, they? I think they have to seat him. It seems like that's the clear thing. Uh, whether there's an ethics investigation that eventually kicks him out. We'll see. But, um, you know, I wouldn't count on the ethics committee to do much. That doesn't have a great track record of, of uh, you know, the comeuppance that I think people think it does. There are not I'm, – I'm, I'm convinced. Uh, first of all, let's hope he loses. And I think there's a good chance he might. But if he's elected, they're going to seat him and they'll never throw him out. Yeah, I think that, I mean, you know, I've, in this job... You uh, need two-thirds of... Right. So they'll get 48 Democrats. Where are they going to get... I mean, if, if McConnell says we need to do this, then it's 
it could happen, right? And and, and actually, yeah, he's shown a lot of backbone lately. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but but I will <laughs> right. say well, he has his own. Obama decide. Right. Well, there's all there's his own sort of self preservation here, though, too, because obviously Moore has made uh, part of his whole shtick, you know, the anti McConnell thing, and um, you know, this isn't just this isn't just the allegations for Mitch McConnell. This is you know, and this guy Mitch McConnell is the ultimate sort of Machiavellian politician who is just there for mm-hmm. his own self-preservation, his own power. Um, so if that's the case, you know, there's a good uh, argument for going after uh, Roy Moore on those sort of charges. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, Senate politics, um, I saw that in Tennessee, so we didn't know Corker was going to step down. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the map keeps changing here a little bit. But, so Corker steps down. Yesterday, Phil Bradenson, former Democratic governor of Tennessee, said he's running for Corker's seat, which suddenly there's another state, right, which Democrats might be able to pick up. Yeah, I mean, you know. He won every single county in Tennessee when he ran for re-election. There, obviously, the map is still drastically in Republicans' favor. I mean, you have uh, Nevada and you have Arizona. And after that, it's really like you're looking at Tennessee, you're looking at Texas, Mm. For your pickups, um, yeah. a lot of Democratic senators are on on defense or, here. Or Alabama, or Alabama, right? I guess, yeah. Um, although that would obviously would be in the twenty twenty, but yeah. obviously tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's still a very tough map. But there there are ways that Democrats can eat in here, and um, if they do win tomorrow, that definitely changes the calculus. I think for a lot of people, yeah, I think that that's a. a you know, and and don't overlearn any lessons from this this race. It's still Alabama, so who the hell knows? <laughs> Trumpism is alive and well in some parts of the country. Yeah, a lot of people just said there's no way to poll what's going to happen, no way to determine that. Hey, Matt, so good to see you. Thanks good so much. You Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank Happy you. holidays, Absolutely. and see you early in 2018, if not Sounds before. Good. On a Monday, what a way to start the week. It's all yours the rest of the day. Make the most of it. Come back and see us again tomorrow. This is the Bill Press Show.